is about bringing up controversial subjects and a series of quests for strange horrors. It feels good. Guidance is internal. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity. Do not think there are things in this universe which you cannot understand and which are true. Welcome to Far Off Topic, episode 26. Coming to you from the scorched heart of the casino wasteland, Las Vegas. Sin City, where the only dreams you keep are the ones you don't bet on. I'm your host, Fiasco Jones, and yeah, it has been a while. Uh, But I am back now with another solo outing. There have been a few changes here at the Brazen Hand studio that I've had to take care of as of late. Nothing too concerning, but, you know, things are pretty fluid at the moment. And speaking of, let me invite you on a little voyage. You see, I'm currently crossing through a threshold of sorts, one of those punctuation marks in life that portends only the unknown beyond a point, one of life's ellipses, if you will. And what a pleasure it is. Yeah, that's pretty cryptic, but suffice to say, these are strange times, and that's got me thinking. Isn't everyone in 2020 caught in this same very liminal space? We've all been caught suspended along an infinite row of figurative dots extending out toward 2021, Uh, maybe even farther, without even the vaguest idea where that even is. Which brings me to the question, does anyone know where we're going? And when it is time to walk through that threshold, take that next step, should we? I mean, I suppose once we get there, we really won't have a choice, but I don't know. Don't say I didn't warn you. I'm recently back from a trip to an Abu Dhabi hotel. It was a nice hotel for sure, but after the 10th day anywhere, you begin to wonder, did someone just trick me and send me to some kind of luxury prison camp by disguising it as a work trip? Because, as it turns out, that's what they do in Abu Dhabi. Force people into indentured servitude. Look it up. And if that's not how you like to spend your time, don't worry. I already did, so check out the show notes to learn more about the disgusting labor practices of the United Arab Emirates. But I digress. During my hotel stay, I got to know my next-door neighbor, an editor for a third-party production company that was also there. We would talk across the partition separating our balconies once in a while because, you know, well, it was something different to do other than sitting inside a hotel watching YouTube Let's Play videos or taking a coronavirus test, which... If you're going to complain about something, that's it's not much. Regardless, during one of our conversations, he told me how he'd started keeping a running tally of all the apocalyptic absurdities that have been littered throughout the time of torment, colloquially known as 2020. Mind you, just his list so far. We're only about midway through hurricane season, so 2020 still has some time to kill. Once he started naming off his rogues gallery of God's wrath, I was like, damn, you're right. Things are getting really weird around here. Earthquakes. Earthquakes in Turkey, the Caribbean, China, Iran, Russia, Philippines, and India. So far, there have been 45 earthquakes recorded over magnitude 6. Jamaica and Russia were the worst hit with earthquakes over magnitude 7. The earthquake in Turkey claimed 41 lives. Is 2020 preparing us for the big one? Maybe the Yellowstone supervolcano will have one last laugh for humanity sometime by the end of the year? I wouldn't be surprised. Which is probably why pandemic-induced nightmares are on the rise. According to an ongoing study initiated in March by the Lyon Neuroscience Research Center in France, 
The coronavirus pandemic has caused a 35% increase in dream recall among participants, with respondents reporting 15% more negative dreams than usual. So more people than usual are having bad dreams and remembering them. A different study promoted by the Italian Association of Sleep Medicine is analyzing the dreams of Italians confined during the outbreak. Many of the subjects are experiencing nightmares and parasomnias in line with symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. I will not be the least bit surprised when teenagers start reporting that they're being stalked in their dreams by a sweater-wearing burn victim. It's just bound to happen. Do you remember Tumblegeddon? Probably not, because it was the very first trumpet sounding our impending doom. On January 1st of this terrible year, Washington State Patrol Troopers were forced to dig people out of cars after a freak gale caused a storm of tumbleweeds to trap drivers inside their cars. USA Today reported the scene thusly. Washington State Patrol began receiving 911 calls around 6.30 p.m. local time about tumbleweeds blocking the road in an area about 20 miles west of Richland. Washington State Patrol Trooper Chris Thorson was quoted as saying, One of our troopers was dispatched. Then they arrived. They saw tumbleweeds in the road, and there were cars trapped. Thorson said five cars and one semi-truck had to be meticulously uncovered, and only one car was abandoned. He said the state's Department of Transportation sent snowplows to the scene, but it was slow going, clearing the road. There's no word where or if the occupants of that abandoned car were ever located. Maybe the tumbleweeds have a darker secret to reveal to us. Sometime maybe at the end of the year? Then there's the perennial herald of doom, locusts. In 2020, apocalyptic swarms of desert locusts are threatening the livelihoods of 10% of the world's population. They are roving through croplands and flattening farms in a devastating salvo experts are calling an unprecedented threat to food security. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization are forecasting a second generation of spring-bred locusts in eastern Africa, giving rise to new, powerful swarms of locust babies capable of wreaking havoc throughout the summer. And of course, no list of this terrible year would be complete without mentioning murder hornets. I'm not sure which chapter they appear in the book of Revelation, but I'm confident that they're in there. Talk all you want about the circle of life, Earth's beautiful biosphere, or any of that flowery crap. Murder hornets are not here to take part. They're here to take over. I know all that sounds really bad, but what do you make of this news? The New York Times is reporting that the Pentagon's UFO unit will make some findings public. If anything screams, what's the point of keeping secrets? It's all over anyway. It's that headline right there. Or maybe not. I, I have some thoughts about this, actually, but we'll talk about that later. Whether or not this is the apocalypse, I mean, damn, I don't know. Doesn't look good for anyone hoping to peer over the rainbow in search of good news. So this must be the end times, right? Well, maybe in that it's always the end times because every day is the end of another and that kind of way. But that's the kind of zen light bullshit I used to say when I was younger when I was trying to one-up a conversation about mortality. Man, everybody's dying a little bit every day. I know. Ugh. Well, for me, I say no. I say these aren't the end times. These are the none times. It's like we're perpetually nowhere, always in the middle of our voyage on an indeterminate plane that has a definite beginning but no discernible end. 
a metaphorical ocean of when, wherever, a transiting threshold plowing the waters of the present, plunging full steam toward the unknown without any way to stop. And maybe that's a good thing. In this way, end times or beginning times are happening all at once. You only know your bearing by whichever direction you're facing. For those of us prone to worrying over the bones of past regrets, we will observe that we are surely living in an end time, doomed for as far as the eye can see. While over our shoulder, if we were inclined to look, an undetermined, unmitigated void of God only knows yawns forever onward. A new age of beginning times. So if all you see is the end, turn around. Because after all, we only have a finite number of beginnings guaranteed to us by our biology. And if or when you find yourself facing in the direction of new beginnings, appreciate the moment. See the opportunity rather than a yawning chasm or pitfall set to swallow you into oblivion like some biblical leviathan. See something else. Maybe hope? That's a nice way to look at things. But, yeah, feels pretty trite. There's not too much to hope for when face-to-face with a murder hornet or a bloodthirsty cloud of tumbleweeds, other than uh, maybe a quick death. Maybe the point is, who cares? A lot of what happens to us isn't even up for debate. It just happens. Look whichever way you want, you're going to get hauled into the present if you like it or not, lurching inevitably nowhere through the stillness of time. Maybe there's another option. This could all just be a simulation. Ah, hear me out. Things may only seem to be getting worse because the game designers are trying to wrap things up real quick. The problem is they're really bad at writing third acts. I mean, just the worst. Think the final season of Game of Thrones or the finale of Lost times the biggest number you can think of, and that's how bad they are. So they're just throwing everything at us. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect things will only get more over the top as the year starts winding down like a passenger jet on its final voyage to Earth. As things are going now, I'm half expecting to wake up to a breaking news alert that the Earth is being bombarded by a meteor storm of sarin gas-filled Adolf Hitlers. The onslaught of insane tribulations will eventually surpass terror and just become ridiculous, which is the exact moment we will collectively realize this is all fake. After that point, the game will just glitch out. And we'll all wake up safely in our cryo chambers halfway to Alpha Centauri. Or some other distant planet where we will restart civilization or steal someone else's. Then that peace will suddenly be broken as a dawning dread falls upon many of us as we realize we forgot to pay last month's cryo chamber rent and to no one will exclaim, God damn it all. Uh, I don't know. I guess you just can't win. Cheers for trying. As for the rest of 2020, hold on to your butts. I'll be back after the break. Hey there. You have trouble finding your keys in the morning? Maybe your car's been acting wonky. Perhaps your baby's gone missing. If any of that's happening to you, you may have a goblin situation. That's when you call me Murdoch Baines, the goblinist. 
I've been nicking goblins since I was a lad. I knows how them's work. All them's different colours and names. Trow, red caps, kobolds, knockers, bogarts. I nicked them all. I know to find them's nests to loot too. Them wankers in the Tosh University may try to say goblins don't exist. Tell you it's all just your imagination being all tricksy with your gulliver. How do you explain this six inch scar right from my neck down to my belly? How do you explain the shelves of monstrous deformed skulls stacked up in my basement? Or the fire that killed my family? You can't. Cause goblins is real. If you and yours got goblins, you call on me, Murdoch Baines. You don't try to take on them goblins yourself. Them beasties is dangerous, and you need the trusted hands of a professional to root out their wretched filth, good and gone. I charge only a modest percentage from any loot I pull from their nests, and you get the rest. Plus the peace of mind of knowing them goblins have been got. Don't live in fear and torment of them filthy goblins one day more. Colin Murdoch Baines, the goblinist. Just leave your name with Black Bill in the St. Symphorium Kirkyard in Boss Castle. I'll be at your door in a fortnight. Be seeing you soon. Let's double back to that UFO story I mentioned earlier. I mean, I got excited as much as the next media-programmed droog when I read that the Navy would start releasing info on their Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. That article came out weeks ago, and I'm still waiting for the world-altering news. I mean, now that I said that, maybe it'll come out the day I post this or the day before, just so I look like an idiot. Regardless, after seeing the headline, Pentagon's UFO Unit Will Make Some Findings Public, I went from excited to suspicious, because... I can't be happy about anything, it would seem. To recap, in 2017, the New York Times published a truly bizarre story about a U.S. military program dedicated to studying claims of anomalous aerial phenomena, by which everyone understood that to mean UFOs. Along with this article were newly released videos taken by three different U.S. military aircraft, which appeared to document bona fide encounters with, if not UFOs, than something truly bizarre. It felt like a watershed moment that seemed to herald the dawn of that much-anticipated holy grail of UFO enthusiasts known as disclosure. To be sure, crazy uncles the world over were screaming even louder at their estranged family members that day. I, too, got pretty excited by the news, but after a long, cold shower, calmed my ass down and began looking at other possible explanations... I have since sat through many debunking videos that have claimed to have solved the mysteries behind the three available Navy recordings. The consensus agreement is that one video is a duck, another is the moon, and the one that tilts on its axis known as gimbal, well that's just a meteor. While these explanations don't satisfy my appetite for the weird, they do pass the test of Occam's razor. But what about the eyewitness testimony of Commander David Fravor? He was the pilot that says he personally chased down one of these anomalies, the Tic Tac UFO, otherwise known by debunkers as the Moon. He unambiguously describes an incident with a seemingly intelligent thing, 
a few miles outside of San Diego. Say what you will of the infrared video that was later recorded of a similar thing by a different pilot, but what do you make of Fravor's actual testimony of his encounter? We have no idea what we're intercepting, and this is when the, the controller starts talking to us. He says, hey, sir, we've seen these objects. They've been, for two weeks, they've been coming down, and he's giving us the whole story. He says, we need you to go investigate. We want to know what these are. So as we're looking around, we we look to the right, and there's a, it's, it was pretty, yesterday was a perfect example out here. The water is perfectly calm, no white caps. I mean, it's literally a perfect San Diego, California day. And we see white water, something like if you see a seamount, you know, rock underwater when you're standing on the shore and the waves are breaking over it and you're like, what is that? It's usually because there's a rock under the water. So it looks like that, but it's about the size of a 737. It actually kind of has a shape of like a cross and it's pointing to the east. So you've got the long part going east-west and you got a couple of things going north and south. So as we're looking at it, because that kind of draws our eyes, we're like, well, oh, that's kind of odd. We look down and uh, the whizzo in the other airplane comes up and says, hey, skipper, do you? And that's about what he gets out of his mouth. And I'm kind of looking at the same thing. I go, dude, do you see that? What is that thing? And what we see is this white tic-tac looking object just above the surface of the water pointing north-south and it's going north-south-east-west. It's just radically moving forward, back, left, right at will. And it's moving around the, the white water that we see. I mean, it's about 40 feet long. And the way I estimate that is, I mean, I got a lot of time fighting other airplanes, so it's about, about the size of a Hornet, fuselage. So that's why I say 40 feet. And first thing you think is helicopter, right? They're, they, they, the helicopters typically stay below 200 feet when we're out there and they're just driving around. We're, we're pretty far away from the ship for a helicopter for one of ours. So what is it? So the first thing you look for is rotor wash. You know, if you've watched any TV show that starts kicking the water up and you can see that, it's really easy to see from the air. So we're like, huh, no rotor wash. Matter of fact, don't see any rotors. Don't see any tail rotor. Don't see any, you know, the main rotors. We're like, that's kind of weird. So as we're driving around, we're looking at this thing. We get to about the nine o'clock position. So I'm like, okay. So I said, I'm gonna go check it out. That's what we're trained to do. The other pilot says, hey, I'm gonna stay up here. And I'm like, that's perfect. So now we'll, we'll get some separation. We'll get it from different views. And the other airplane will kind of have a God's eye view of everything that's going on as I go down and check this thing out. So I start driving around and it's still doing its forward, back, left, right. It's still pointing north, south. So I got this nice easy descent. I get to about 12 o'clock. And as I'm coming down, you know, I, I could guess probably about, you know, 18,000 feet now, a couple thousand feet below the other airplane. The tic-tac just kind of rapidly goes boop and turns. So now it's kind of pointing east-west and now it mirrors us. So it's above the surface. We're up high. We're coming down. And it starts coming up. I'm like, well, this is getting interesting. So we kind of drive all the way around a circle. I'm descending. It's coming up. And I get over to about the 8 o'clock position of the, on the clock. And it's over at about the 2 o'clock position. Well, the quickest way, as we know as kids, to get someone, you know, you can keep going around the circle. Nothing's going to happen. You cut across the circle. So I'm about, I don't know, probably two to 3,000 feet above it. And I just kind of drop my nose aggressively and I cut across the circle and it's coming this way. It's because I'm trying to fly to where it's going to be because I want to mm. join on it. I want to see how close I can get to it. Right. And as I'm pulling up, it's kind of starting to cross my nose and it starts to accelerate. And within about less than a second, as I start to pull nose onto it and it crosses right in front of me, it just goes poof and it's gone. So I call the other airplane. And I said, hey, do you guys, do you guys see that thing? And they're like, sir, it's gone. We don't, we don't see it at all. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. So we, we don't see it. We're looking. At the same time, I say, hey, let's turn around and let's go back to see what was in the water. You know, there's, was there something there? So we turn around. We're right there. We haven't gone anywhere. It's gone. 
water's perfectly, there's no white water, nothing. It's just blue. We're like, okay. So we turn back around, now we're heading back out towards the east, and I tell the controller, I said, well, I said, uh, you know, I first said, I'm kind of weirded out, and I told my, my backseater that. And we start heading back, and the, the controller on the Princeton comes up and he says, sir, you're not going to believe this, but that thing is back at your cat point. That was our original point where we were going to hold 40 miles south of the ship. So this thing has went from wherever we were at to, you know, about 60 miles in, you know, maybe 30, 40 seconds. It's already over there. And it just, and they didn't track it. It just appeared. He just it shows back up on the radar and they go, it's here. If you want to hear the whole thing, uh, I'll link to Joe Rogan's podcast where Fravor walks the entire encounter. So what should we make of his testimony, though? Is he lying? If he is, why would he lie? Well, let's think. One, Fravor, despite what he tells the press, particularly in a Vice article, uh, saying that he doesn't want to be one of these UFO guys, well, maybe he does. Maybe he does want to be the focus of all the attention at some of these UFO conventions. I don't know. Maybe. Two, maybe Fravor is a bully and likes to fuck with UFO people. I mean, he has admitted that he's done that before. I have a sick sense of humor at times. We used to fly night vision goggles low altitude in Hornets. So we would go out at night flying around on goggles and you'd see a campfire. And you go, oh, UFO time. And then you get the airplane going about 600 knots and then you pull the power back to idle so you can't hear it. And you get zinging towards the, the fire. And then right when you get to the campfire, you pull the airplane into the vertical, you stroke the afterburners, you let them light off, you count to three, you pull them off and then you just go away. Instant UFO reporting. <laughs> I'm sitting out in the desert, it's all quiet, and then all of a sudden there's a lure, there's lights in the sky, and they go away and it's gone. Or three, Fravor might be trying to pass disinformation. Hmm. Now that's interesting. Let's look at that. Are you familiar with the name Richard Doty? This was the question Mark Pilkington was asked once in the 90s and would eventually frame the narrative of his book Mirage Men, about how the U.S. government actively subverted the UFO community. This is how Pilkington described Doty in his book. Richard C. Doty was a Mephistophelian character who haunted the underworld of UFO literature. To some, Doty was a dark knight, caught between the intelligence world that he had once operated in and the world of the UFO researchers to whom he provided incredible information about the alien presence on Earth. To others, he was a pariah, a tool of the government conspiracy, a sower of disinformation and a traitor to the cause of shattering UFO secrecy. I see Doty as the latter, a cog in the wheel of disinformation that imperiled the lives of the people he targeted. But what does it matter if Richard Doty is a liar or a fabricator of UFO information? After all, he's talking about UFOs, so one should probably assume there's a fair amount of fantasy at play. What concerns me is that Richard Doty, by direction or with the permission of the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, or AFOSI, pursued a campaign of disinformation that would eventually drive one man, Paul Benowitz, mad. In 1980, Paul Benowitz was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he'd built his business supplying the Air Force and NASA with sundry mechanical mechanisms. He was an engineer, physicist, and as a seeming rule of the scientist trade, he was quite a bit odd. 
At least he believed in some things that were odd, and as everyone knows, one of the universal laws of existence is that what you believe is what you are. So Paul Benowitz was an oddball. Which is a long way of saying Paul Benowitz believed extraterrestrial intelligences were visiting Earth. Benowitz lived close enough to the Kirkland Air Force Base that he was able to film strange lights flying in and around the base at night. He was also able to rig up a listening device that began to intercept mysterious, encoded radio signals coming from the base. With his bias for UFOs informing his nightly observations, he became quite alarmed. He thought he was witnessing a War of the Worlds-style invasion. Being a deeply patriotic man, he immediately reported his findings to Air Force personnel. And that's how Paul Benowitz ended up in front of Richard Doty's desk. Doty recognized that Benowitz had in fact recorded sensitive material. But rather than tell Benowitz it was nothing, rather than just thanking him for his patriotic stewardship and telling him the matter would be under investigation, rather than doing anything humane... Doty and the U.S. Air Force decided to play with Paul Benowitz. With the assistance of UFO investigator William Moore, Doty began a campaign of disinformation against Benowitz, which only encouraged his most feverish extraterrestrial fantasies. They concocted whole plot lines about secret treaties between Eisenhower and myriad alien civilizations. They introduced the mythical Majestic 12 and alien hybridization programs to UFO enthusiasts. They were most likely the authors of so much of late UFO lore that it would be nearly impossible to remove all of it from the contemporary UFO mytheme. Benowitz was amazed by what he was told by Doty and Moore. And who could blame him? He would take what he learned and pass it along to the greater UFO community. In this way, Doty and Moore's UFO fanfiction became ingrained in the greater UFO legends. All of their bullshit. The problem was that Benowitz believed it. All of it. He became increasingly paranoid and obsessed with Doty's lies. And then his life began to spiral down. To many people living in this benighted era of edgelords, shitposters, and otherwise borderline personality disordered world, none of this seems like a problem. Benowitz was a fantasy-prone person, so why not just convince him his imagination was correct the whole time? It's funny. Sure. But mostly it's a window into the mindset of people within the government to the lengths they will strive to conceal, obfuscate, and deny the truth. Of course, that's part of their job, after all. But the callousness shown in the Benowitz affair should be instructive for anyone willing to take what the U.S. military says at face value. With groups like To The Stars Academy and Bigelow Aerospace seemingly forming murky public-private partnerships with the U.S. Navy, I have to wonder whether or not we're just entering another era of Doty-esque disinformation. A new round of government-funded fanfiction set to creatively pith the brains of its live audience. For many people, this won't matter because they've already inoculated themselves from any possible UFO hysteria with stultifying doses of incredulity. So, who cares? And that's the thing. Who cares? The U.S. military seems to care a great deal about UFO believers and their beliefs. To date, they've dedicated decades of time and manpower to muddying the waters of an issue that most people think is ridiculous on its face. But here we are. The Navy acknowledging that there's something happening. What? We don't know yet. 
but it seems worth the time and effort on the government's part to invalidate, diminish, and quash the fantasies of a group of outsiders who allegedly are making things up or misidentifying whatever it is they do see. Rather than ignore these fringe cultists, the government is actually feeding them, and that's strange to me. I doubt there are any space invaders involved in this story of alien sightings, lies, and videotape, but I do think there is something happening out there. There is a story to tell. I imagine that in the decades to come, the real truth behind this most recent dance between the military and UFO believers will be revealed. And when that story is eventually unraveled and told, I also imagine it will be much stranger than all previous fictions. For his effort, Richard Doty's experiment with avant-garde science fiction had one particular effect on its target. After years of falling into the bottomless hole of UFO paranoia, Paul Benowitz was placed in a mental hospital. He'd lost all perspective on reality, and who could blame him? He was handed secret government documents and memoranda from an actual Air Force official. In some cases, signed by the president. He probably truly felt like the Greek god Cassandra, able to see into the future but never able to convince anyone of its truth. Benowitz died in 2003 at age 75, still believing the Earth was under attack. And that's the show. Uh, Hopefully we get back on a regular schedule shortly and uh, get the the gang back on the mic. So that'll be fun. But we'll just have to play that by ear, like we always do. So no big change there. You can reach us on Facebook at Far Off Topic Show and Far Off Topic on all the other socials. You can reach me via Twitter at Fiasco Jones, Tiwi's at Jenny Said Stuff, and Jack's at Captain Jack's 458. All new episodes are posted to our YouTube account where you can find the full show notes. If you'd like to support the show, feel free to comment or rate. Most of all, thank you for listening, and until you hear from us again, so mote it be. Fly off topic.